You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. I know I've kept you waiting. I know I've made you You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano. Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we're still talking about Smash, the NBC series that chronicled the creation of a Broadway musical and all of the drama that ensued along the way. We've been going back, episode by episode, to see how this supposed love letter to Broadway has held up over the past decade. In each episode, we're looking to find the answers to these three questions. Did it represent Broadway then? Does it represent Broadway now? Is it any good? (laughs) Exactly. So let's dive in and talk about episode one of season two on Broadway. Aaron, give us the stats. On Broadway premiered on February 3rd, 2013. It was written by new showrunner Joshua Safran and directed by Michael Morris, who also directed the season one finale. The episode unfortunately did not premiere to as wide an audience as the season one premiere or even the season one finale. The viewership came in at 4.48 million, about 1.5 million fewer than the finale, and almost 7 million fewer than the pilot. Wow. The premiere featured six songs, three original songs by original team of Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, which were the good old Let Me Be Your Star, a new song from Bombshell called Cut, Print, Moving On, and a new song from a different musical altogether called Mama Makes Three from the show Beautiful. No, not that beautiful. Starring Jennifer Hudson. The two covers in this episode were the titular song On Broadway by The Drifters and Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. Most notably, though, the season two premiere marks the introduction of composer Joe Iconis, who wrote the song Broadway Here I Come. Iconis was the first of many musical theater composers who were able to feature their work throughout the second season of Smash. And what happens in this episode, Mo? After closing the pre-Broadway run of Bombshell, producer Mm -hmm. Eileen Rand assembles her growing team to announce her goal of booking a Broadway theater by the end of the week. She's also planning a soiree for potential investors and invites Karen to pick her three backup singers from the Bombshell Ensemble. Her selections do not include the libertine Ivy Lynn, who Karen is still angry with for sleeping with her ex-boyfriend. Derek takes Karen to see his former leading lady, Veronica Moore, tear the roof off of the St. James in a musical called Beautiful. However, this is not the Carole King bio-musical, but a rousing gospel show. After the performance, Veronica tells Karen, Someone's always waiting to take you down, honey. But if the work is good, they won't be able to. Disdain for Ivy seems to be growing within the production. While other pre-Broadway ensemblists have received offers for Broadway, Ms. Lynn is still waiting to hear. At rehearsal for the producer soiree, Ivy asks Julia for advice about this. The lyricist tells her, maybe you apologize to Karen, but you were apologizing for the wrong thing. On their way to the investor event, composer Tom congratulates his boyfriend Sam on getting offered the general in the Book of Mormon tour. Sam says he would rather stay with his 10 lines in Bombshell in order to be close to Tom, though. But as they canoodle down Central Park West, they spot Julia's husband caressing a co-worker, effectively the final straw in ending her dissolving marriage. Covering for a truant Jordan Roth at an investor event, 
Veronica and Karen duet on an impromptu rendition of On Broadway. Afterwards, Derek tells Ivy that she won't be joining the bombshell cast on Broadway. However, the real drama happens after that, where Eileen tells Karen and the creative team that Bombshell is being investigated. While the government is looking into how Eileen received the financing for the show, Bombshell is effectively on hold for the foreseeable future. The next day, Derek commiserates with Karen about how they're both out of work, telling her, call me if you hear about anything else. But later that night, while nursing a drink at a restaurant row piano bar, Karen meets a team of musical theater songwriters who may just be Derek's something else. Beautiful. Good work. Yeah, we did. Beautiful, but not the Carol King biopic. <laughs> so how'd you like this episode, Mel? I liked it. I think it's getting better. I do. I do. I think the show is getting better. There was more music, which I liked, but I also felt like it, it it's solving the problem that we were talking about at the end of season one, which is why can't the drama be about creating a musical instead of all of these things with the people who create a musical, this is. This is drama about creating a musical. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that, yeah. I think it's great that they're including more music in this episode, right? You said six songs. That's a lot of songs. That, yeah, that is a lot of songs. All of them sort of had purpose in the storyline of the show, right? Yeah, I feel like they figured out, and we, talk, we touched on this last season, where they have begun to figure out what works in their use of music for the show. Like, for instance... Introducing the new song, Cut, Print, Moving On, it was very clearly serving as an opening number for the episode. Mm -hmm. Like, it was basically a big recap of what's happened. But it's also, like, telling us, like, okay, Smash is moving on, and it's also, like, saying, okay, we're going to leave some things behind, like, Frank and Dev, like, Mm -hmm. we're going to show you, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to show you Krista Rodriguez for approximately eight seconds. The (laughs) song did a very good job. Yeah. And it's not like it, it was a song that came out of nowhere. We were watching a song from the closing night performance, which, where do you think this happens in the show, by the way? I was thinking about this the entire time. <laughs> like, wh- Since we've where- seen the whole show, basically. I'm like, so there's another song we haven't seen? Another big ensemble song we haven't seen. But a sweeping that- <laughs> ballad. One of our problems with so many of the songs in Bombshell is that they don't move the story along. Uh-huh. And you would assume that a song that literally has the word move in the title yeah. would be about moving on. So that, that I was like, okay, this song at least has like a trajectory and yes, a purpose. It's absolutely. not like the steam room number or the baseball number. Yeah. If I had to put money on it, I was like, I bet you this is like the act one closer. Mm, that feels good. It feels like this hopeful propellant into intermission. <laughs> I love that. Cut moving on because then you're you're getting your seventeen dollar cocktail at the bar and, and wondering what's going to happen next. Where is she moving on to? Literally, yeah. I was like, okay, this is a good number in the show and serving the episode. I was like, all right, okay. I want to ask you about what I know is your favorite song, Aaron, which is <laughs> Broadway. Broadway Here, Here I, I Come. Come. Okay, so while we were watching this, listeners, just some behind the scenes news. I was texting with Mo because I have moderate feelings about the song itself. 
And he was singing, and I was watching, and Jeremy Jordan, his soaring melodies were carrying me through. But I was like, I don't think I like this song. And texting Mo about it, and Mo's like, well, it's also a suicide song. And me, over text, thinking he was joking, being like, oh, LOL, LOL, LOL. And he's like, no, it's actually a suicide song. And I said, no. And he's like, do you think I'm kidding? I'm like, yes. Yes. (laughs) I thought you were kidding until you just asked me if I thought he was kidding. So then he sends me all these links and... Apparently, that was the double entendre of the song, which, Mo, go ahead and explain it now, because I was floored by the layering of this song. Here's the gag, right? The title of the song is Broadway Here I Come, which, when you just hear it, you're thinking it is like a Peggy Sawyer from 42nd Street song. Absolutely. Or it lives in the same world as On Broadway, another Mm -hmm. song we hear in this episode of Smash. But the lyrics are, I'm high above the city, I'm standing on the edge, the view from here is pretty, and I step off the edge. And I'm falling through the sky. It's my calling, don't you cry. Toward the street that I'm from, oh Broadway, here I come. Okay, so like... If you're half listening to the lyrics, like you're I like, did, oh, this person's going to Broadway. But no, this is literally a song about someone who is stepping off the edge of a v- building above Broadway and committing suicide. And then, <laughs> as I'm like doing more like research about it, where I'm like, oh, huh, I come across all of these articles online about like the analysis of the song, where it's like getting to Broadway. We use all of this language about taking the leap, taking the jump, taking the plunge. And so the way the writing of the song goes, it was using that dichotomy of people take the giant leap to their dreams, but they could also land flat on their face. And the bigger the jump, the greater the fall. And I was like, oh, that's what this song's about? Cool. Okay, I guess I like this song more than I thought that I did. And I guess where I have the question, and let's continue, because we'll continue to revisit the song through season two, is, is Smash in on the joke of the song? (sighs) Which I would have told you no, but now Smash asserts through both seasons that theater is a hard business in which you have to sacrifice things for, Uh some of which are your morals or principles. Okay. I think maybe it's a perfect song to use, actually. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's uh, high praise. Let, let's keep going through the episodes, but maybe it's exactly the song to say, yes, achieving your dreams is magical, but also you will lose part of yourself. Yeah. Along okay, the way. so let's talk. So the song. You're hurtling towards this, and by the way, we're analyzing this in real time. (laughs) You're hurtling toward the street that you love. But A, there's an element of like, you're going downward. You're not rising to your dreams. And so there's this risk of the thrill of the fall, but also the danger of the fall. Which, there is truth in that, right? Something I used to tell myself when I was a young actor was no one is going to believe that I am good enough to be on Broadway unless I believe I'm good enough to be on Broadway. So 
I had to take that leap mentally mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to secret this into the universe, right? Mm-hmm. I had to jump off the ledge and not have one foot of like, but it's okay if maybe I don't make it to Broadway. I had to say, I'm going to step off the edge and I'm going to tell everyone, I'm going to tell myself and I'm going to tell the universe that this is something I'm going to do. Yeah. Which this song sort of describes, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, (laughs) this song is not about us having a safety plan or a backup career or a survival job, right? It's literally taking the biggest leap you can and putting your entire life in the gravity of that leap. It's not like you have a bungee cord that's going to pull you up. Yeah. Yeah. Is this your new favorite song? I don't know if I'd go that far, (laughs) but... Because I'm still, but I'm still processing it. I mean, and again, like, and I feel like we see that in, and you know me, I love to bring it back to Karen and Ivy always, Mm -hmm. but you have these two who have now taken that leap. One has fallen and one has flown. Definitely. Because we saw the big fall at the end of season one. Right. We saw Ivy's big fall at the end of season one and Karen's big rise. Yeah. Watching Ivy do or attempt to do so much damage control was so, there's a better word than sad, but it was so sad to watch. That's something that the show I think is getting very true is that people, it is a small community. And when people make mistakes of character, Mm -hmm. the rest of the community is aware of it. Oh yeah. She's learning, she's growing as a person, which is great, but because she's part of this New York theater community. Everybody's watching her fall in real time. And literally watching her fall. No one is, like, helping her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some people, are they helping? No, who helped her in this episode? Nobody. Yeah, no. Sam was there for moral support. I feel like he's the most we get. Yeah, but Sam... Sam is still the heart of the show, so... Sam is not saying, like, let me help you. Sam is saying, you have to change people's minds. He's giving her the the knowledge, but he's not like, here's an opportunity to save face. And everyone else has now, like, tethered themselves to the new rising star. Right. What's compelling about watching Ivy's journey now after her fall is watching her get back up or trying to get back up any which way she can. I think what's great about both Karen and Ivy at this point, and tell me if you agree, is that they're not clean stereotypes anymore of the the newbie to the city and the experienced actor who is hungry for stardom, right? They all have, they each have more nuance to their character. They are more nuanced, but they also, in some ways, I feel like the show has now flipped them. Yes. Where Ivy is now... Ivy's the underdog now. Yeah. And Karen has somehow become the villain in this entire thing, and arguably worse than Ivy was. Like, Oh, I don't know about that. You, but you don't? Here, but no, because there's a difference. I think Ivy has actively tried to hurt Karen. Yeah. Karen has realized I don't need to save Ivy in order to feel like I'm a good person. You know, Karen was returning sunglasses to the Schubert Theater stage door that they mixed up. Karen was following a drunk Ivy through Times Square multiple times, right? Sure. And now Karen's like, all right, you can go be a mess over there. I'm going to be over here with Derek and Tom and Julia being the next Veronica Moore. 
Uh, but you saying that like, I'm going to be over here with them and you go be a mess. That has a maturity to it where she wants nothing to do with her. But that's not the read that I'm getting from this episode. The read that I'm getting from this episode is that Karen holds a wild, wild grudge as arguably maybe she is allowed to that Ivy... It's fine that Karen has a grudge that Ivy slept with her ex-boyfriend. What is strange is that Karen also seems to have this power that I can get Ivy fired. And she takes advantage of it. She doesn't... Where we where in season one, we counted on her to rise above the mess of the garbage theater people. She went right in the muck and was like, nah, get rid of her. Which Ivy tried to do, but never actually did when Ivy was playing Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Last thing I want to say about Karen and Ivy is putting Ivy as the underdog in season two mm-hmm. makes it feel so good at the end when she's playing Marilyn, right? Oh, we've for watched, sure. We, we've watched her go from a different bottom, mm-hmm. but a rock bottom, and then we're going to see her shine and become a star. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that because that's where this rising from the ashes will lead her. But we're in the ashes right now. Yeah, and that's where I'm going to show my my season one versus season two cards and say, this to me feels like a trajectory of character that is way more thought out and planned than anything that happened in season one. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. All right, so... To keep up to date with our next recap, be sure to watch season two, episode two of Smash, entitled The Fallout. Now, <laughs> honestly, there have been so many fallouts in Smash. Yeah, take your pick. What is Which this fallout? fallout going to be? We'll right. find out. You can find Smash episodes on either the NBC app or at NBC.com. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano. And me, Mo Brady. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the other one is by becoming a Patreon member, which you can do at patreon.com slash The Ensemblist. You can subscribe to The Ensemblist on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or listen to all of our episodes at bpn.fm. And be sure to follow The Ensemblist on Instagram, where we share all of our latest episodes, including the Smashed series. Woohoo! Thanks for listening. Until next time. Did I just steal one of your lines? Yes, you did. (laughs) What did I say? All right. All right. I love that. We're keeping that in. Perfect. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.